Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Roger Bell. Bell has done three three. 22 to Roger. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right, what's going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell. Hanging out on a Monday. Big weekend to get to. A lot of NBA action. Uh, we had the Kentucky Derby. Yep. Ton of fun with a lot of controversy. Um, I had a kids golf tournament. Okay. I, you know, like every time it's like, do I fight my daughter on the course or do I <laughs> like, I'm trying to keep my nerves calm when I'm out in the course. Um, but let's start off with the Kentucky Derby. Yep. Do you, did you watch it? Nope. All right. Good honesty yep. there. Yep. But you're aware of what happened. I, I do honestly. know what happened. Yeah. So you're not a horse racing guy. No. Neither I mean, am I. I. I like the event. Yeah, for I sure. would actually like to attend it. When did the Kentucky Derby become like an NFL thing? I don't know if you noticed this. Oh yeah. All of a sudden, and it was not that way 10 years ago. Right. It, like all of a sudden, I, I would probably guess it was probably Brady that made it cool because he brings a crew. But then I also noticed Aaron Rodgers brings a crew. Uh, and you got like these different crews that go together. It's like the sharks and the whatever. What's yeah, that? yeah. Yeah. It's like the grease. And thing. I'm like, I'm ner- I, I'm like jealous. Like I wish I could go with them. Yeah. You got uh, Brady gambling with Amendola like late at night. Like you can tell it's like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. And they're putting a $100,000 bet on can Amendola hit this sign that's like across the parking lot. Right. And Amendola wins it. And I don't just don't know. It's all of a sudden you see all these NFL guys are hanging out. Vaughn Miller's in the pregame stuff. That is interesting. I would like to to know what the what the what the genesis of the of the NFL interest in the in the Kentucky Derby go. was. That'd be good. Go. But okay. I would like to go. I like any reason to really get like sharp and yeah. dress up. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to do it for a job. Right. <laughs> but any reason I could get really dressed up. And, and you can and, tell all the dudes do too. Yeah, absolutely. Brady's hat was sick. Yeah, I mean, six, it wasn't that cool, six. but the six time yeah. champ, that's pretty cool subtle. on the horse that was cut. Here's my deal though. It's not really subtle. Like you tried to be subtle with the six times on the horse, but anytime you wear something that says six times, I mean, you're just rubbing people's nose in it. So why be subtle about it in the first place? Cause you're the goat and you can do whatever I, the I, I, you want to do. I, it, was, it was a small horse, but then once you show cur- people, cur- everyone knows what you're saying. So why even be subtle? Like you, you got six on just your hat, big one, just yeah. all over. Yeah, that right. could be a good one too. So neither of us are into horse racing that much, right? So I have a story for you. So I go, my dog, uh, my wife went out Saturday night, like with a friend of hers. Mm-hmm. So I had my three girls. So we went out to dinner. Yep, where'd you Bert go? And Max's in Delray, okay. good spot. Uh, so we got sat outside, and there wasn't a TV there. So, and I told my, like, I love teaching my daughters about sports, right? So I'm quizzing them. I'm like, all right, Super Bowl is the biggest game in football, World Series, NBA Finals. I'm like, Kentucky Derby is the biggest race in horse racing. So right. I'm explaining this. So I pull it up on my phone and we're watching it. So I kind of have it there and it's going. And leading into the race, I had been given a guy that, oh, so this is where it all ties in. So my daughter plays golf, right? Yep. Junior golf. So one of her buddies that golfs on the tour with her, her dad's a really good dude. Like we talk a lot. So he texted me. He said, Hey, are you going to play the Derby? Right. I was like, no, nah. I was like, I don't know anything. He's like, do you want to? I was like, sure. I'm always down. Hot tip. So he's like, send me your email. He's like, I got a guy who really knows what he's talking about. Right. Like, all right, send me the, send me the email. So I get the email and it's a four page, like PDF, like, typed out really uh in-depth it's a dossier it's a dossier on how to bet the kentucky derby okay i skipped through three and a half pages because there's basically <laughs> like this tiny little synopsis at the end right and it says here's your 60 dollar bet and it cuts it down like it says take maximum security to win right then it also says take spinoff to win right and then it says take country house to win right 
So I do all these. I follow it all. And then it has these exact. Is that a hundred? Is that a hundred and eighty dollar bet? Then sixty, sixty, sixty. No, no, no. It was, he he had it divided down like put twenty on maximum security, and like I think it was just like a way to like show how to, if you had six hundred, you would divide it this way. Okay, you know, like so he played it out. So I did exactly what he said. I'm like, and I didn't put a lot into it. I was like, you know, because I had some winnings from the NBA in sure. my account. So sure. I was like, sure, sure I'll, I'll lay some money out yeah. there. So I take all these bets. And I go, I couldn't even figure out like the exact on my website, which I was using, my sports book was right. using. So I like couldn't really figure it out. And I was like, at the end, I like couldn't figure out the one exacta. So I was like, let me just put it on this one. So I put it on country house. Right. So we watched the race and we're watching it on the thing. And, uh, so I see that maximum security comes back winning. And so I didn't want to look like degenerate dad watching horse racing with my daughter. So I was like, oh, okay, you see maximum security one, yeah. like put down my phone yep. and we, like eat the rest of our dinner. So I did, I texted a couple of buddies of mine, like rubbing it in, like, hey, I won maximum security. Right. And I just thought I lost the other one. So I was like, all right. So like an hour goes by and all of a sudden I look down, my phone's getting all these texts like, ha ha, you lost. Like you, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, right. I watched the race. It went down. And then sure enough, I look online and there's all these jokes about Des Bryant's catch and the Saints and Rams. And it all has come down with this, this disqualification in the Kentucky Derby. Bottom line was, I want a bunch of money hey, on oh, Country House. And on I didn't even know it. House. All because a dude emailed me the dossier on the Kentucky Derby. And it was awesome. It we're, was fantastic. We, like, we didn't know each other before the show started, right? Yeah. We're friends. Yeah. You know what friends do when they get a hot tip like that? You know what they do? <laughs> yes. They share they the share the information. So, all right, here's here's why I didn't share it. All right. Because I wasn't real confident in it. I would have felt awful if I would have shared you all this information. Yeah. And it would have lost. And I really didn't put that much on it. But it would have paid out really nice. As you can see, as we're looking at video, yeah. I don't even fully understand what really happened. But and I do. What I... Going back to your friend. That I, bet, no, no. I should have given you the Because I've never bet anything. So, like, it would be weird right, for you exactly. to write. Exactly. See, um, I don't want to corrupt you. Uh... I do know what I what I've been told is that there's never been a disqualification of a winning horse for on the course infraction for on the track years. infractions, right? 145. What years. was so egregious about that? I mean, I could see that he drifts off the rail and he impedes the the whatever the the challenging horse was, but that doesn't I mean, I, as a as a general horse racing fan, it looks like that happens all the time. Right. They look like there's a lot of contact. Right. Like they're always kind of bumping. I think there's a I don't even know if it's a – I'm assuming maybe it is a written rule. But there is sort of a, a – um you can go a little bit like maybe a lane across, but you can't go three. So he was – And I was actually – I was listening lanes. to some commentary after the fact, and they said that you could actually tell the other horses it had them pull up. Right. Because it was dangerous. And, like, if he would have cut them off – I thought he, he almost broke somebody, that horse's leg behind ex- him. Exactly. Like, so, like, I think that's what – you know, that's the basis uh, of the rule is to try to make – it does suck. Like, even though uh, I won yeah. – like, I, in horse racing, no, 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 a lot no. of scandal. What? No, don't worry about that. You won. No, I'm, I'm happy it. that that's I won. But it does, like, I hate to see a championship event. Again, it's like all we've been talking about in sports, NFC Championship game. We had the hockey playoff time the other night. Uh, we've had the NBA. We've How many times have we talked about two-minute reports instead right. of actually talking about the game? It's like all of a sudden we have this rash of rulings and officiating and all this stuff. And it's like it's I would way. rather just talk about what we're talking like well, the game or to, the race. To that point, I guess, and forgive me, uh, anybody who's more than a casual horse racing fan for sounding ignorant here. But if you have something that's never, ever, ever taken place, ever, right? Right. I should, as a, as a, as a 
casual fan be able to watch it and be like, oh my God, yeah, you got to do something about that. Right. If I can't do that, then I don't know that I'm going to use the first, like, that's not going to be the first time I ever do something on, 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 on something that I, a casual fan can't tell is a huge infraction. Do you know what right. I mean? If it was that egregious, everybody and their mom should be able to look at that and be like, oh my God, he's got to be disqualified. I feel like my rule of thumb across the whole landscape of sports is if there's a question, keep the whistle in your mouth. Like, don't call the foul. Yeah. I would say if this was down the street at Gulfstream, yeah, you can go ahead and enforce that rule. Right. Go to the Kentucky the Derby Kentucky with the – and I, again, I get that there are other sides and they're both sides of the bet, but it's just a bad look for horse racing. I agree. You know, it's just a bad look for them. Uh, so do you heard what the uh, – we just mentioned in our read at the top of the show. Maximum Security is now – they're like, hey, we're taking our ball and going home. We're not going to the Belmont or the Preakness. We're done. But for like, you. We're out of here. And you know what? It's probably – I think it actually might help that horse because – if you would have gone to one of those and not won the Triple Crown and maybe not won again, then I think he devalues his long-term stud capabilities. Right. Now you've got a horse who, you know, kind of won the Kentucky Derby, and you can sell him as that out when you put him out to pasture. Like, that's what you do. I hear you. I, good for him. Go test that. Exactly. So I love that fact that he's like, see, I'm not going to the Preakness. Um, so over the weekend, we did have some really good NBA games that were fascinating, down to the wire, all the stuff that I really enjoy uh, watching, which I don't feel like we get enough of the regular season. And we saw it happen uh, in the Sixers-Raptors game when Kawhi Leonard essentially took over, much like he's done in their wins throughout the series and throughout the postseason. Right. Uh, here was Kawhi afterwards talking about uh, his performance. I think that's uh, not fair to the Sixers. I'm definitely, you know, breaking a sweat out there. Um you know, they're making me, uh, you know, take these shots and I don't know. I'm not describing my game. I'm trying to win. I mean, that's for you guys to do. Um, I'm living in the moment. I love it. I tell you what, Kawhi, you can knock him for all the non-personality. He doesn't like dealing with the media. I think he's a dude that I would love to have in my franchise. Absolutely love to have him in a locker room, being a positive influence on the guys around him. So he's an interesting one because I, I, so, I think you can be too emotionless at times. To be too robotic, sometimes you might not be able to, to, um, what's the word, I'm like, relate to other people in your locker room. And I don't know this to be the case with Kawhi. Like, he might be great. The dudes might get a different side of Kawhi when they're on team planes and they're in the hotel and stuff like that. But there is a time when, you know, you could just come off as being a little weird. Yeah. And, and, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and look, I, there's no arguing what he does on the court and his unflappability, if that's a word, uh, surely proves to be a good thing on the court because he's never really rattled. He's never on tilt. It doesn't matter if he gets a call. He doesn't get a call. He misses shots. He makes them. You see no change in affect. But sometimes guys, like your boys, they want to know that that you're as invested emotionally as they are. Not that you just go out and do your job and you do it great. That is one thing. Right. And that they can count on you is, is huge. It's massive. Like that, really, it's all that should matter. But there are times when guys want to know that you can get fired up. And that you're that, that you're as excited about this as we are, and I wonder sometimes if if the Sixers ever, I mean, or if the Raptors ever get to see that side of Kawhi. I don't see, know. That's what I don't know either, because some guys are really shy publicly, but then once you get yeah. behind closed doors in a locker room, they're totally different people. Correct. I feel like in today's society, though, you would get more of that, and you don't get much of that out of Kawhi at all. <laughs> yeah. Like I think he might just be really introverted all the time, even in games in the locker room after a win or a lot. Like you can't tell the difference, which. It's just an interesting character, but you, like now that you've got me thinking about him, like, hmm, like he's a great influence, he's humble, but you know sometimes you need somebody to be more vocal, and you need like if there's a, a doldrums or a game when you you like everybody's kind of 
relaxed and too relaxed. You need somebody to step up and get in front of everybody and say, we need this game. Let's go. Right. You need an emotional leader. You need sometimes. a, fi- you need a fire. And we're going to get into the conversation with him and, 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 and Durant and the comp- comparing and contrasting. But, you know, when you watch Kawhi play, he is almost unguardable at this point. Yeah. I mean, he really is. He hits some tough, tough shots. He's as good as there is in the game at using kind of this probe dribble where, you know, you're really not forcing him to do anything he doesn't want to do. He's just keeping his dribble alive. He's keeping his dribble alive. He's kind of surveying the landscape, figuring out what pieces are moving around the chessboard, and then he drags it out and he does what he wants to do. Like it's, it, I mean, it's almost unguardable unless you're just going to trap him and make him give the ball up. But he kind of plays in his own lane where he's going to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it feels like it's not when I score all these points, all right, guys, hop on, you're all coming with me type of deal. There are guys that can score a lot of points. Before you know it, Danny's scoring a lot of points. And Coca's scoring a lot of points. And now I've got Janita scoring a lot of points. And Debo scoring a lot of points. All fueled by me scoring a lot of points. Sometimes Kawhi just don't, they don't feel like that. They feel like he's kind of his own entity, getting a lot of buckets and being as good as there is in the on the planet. And it doesn't always have this... This what's, team effect. And I don't know why. I don't know that that's fair to him. It just feels like that sometimes. What's the difference in him and James Harden? Because I would say Harden, especially when he was on that streak when Chris Paul was out, it was kind of that way. When it was just, hey, clear out and let him do his thing. Is it that much yeah. different? Uh There are similarities. But James Harden, because of the style that they play as a team where everything is just spread out, there's a lot of opportunity for him to pick out a wide-open guy and and – the defense will dictate that James has to kick it out to that guy. And because of that, he'll wind up with two other players having 20 points because, you know, he's just in an ISO situation. But, um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't, they don't feel the same, although there are similarities in it. All right. So you just mentioned Kevin Durant just a second ago because they've both been awesome for their respective teams in the playoffs. They've been outstanding. Who would you say is having a better playoff Ugh. series? I'll give, so Durant is averaging three more points a game, but Kawhi is, Eight points better uh, field goal percentage. Yeah. Uh, Kawhi's giving you more rebounds. Durant's giving you more assists. Like, you know, like, um, according to win shares, Durant has 1.8. Ka- Kawhi is 2.2. Out of all of those stats, what do you derive from them? Uh, I, I I think the, this is as neck and neck a race as you can get. Um, the five assists versus 3.4 kind of speaks to what I was saying. Yeah, exactly. Go. Um but Kevin Durant is as gifted a scorer just because he is his his size. I know they list him as six nine. He's not six nine. He's every bit of six ten. Right. Um. And with that wingspan, and what he can do coming, you know, coming down in transition, it's it's a unicorn issue. Like it is. They say Chris has a unicorn. He's a real unicorn. Um. But Kawhi, for one reason or another, kind of gets overlooked in that conversation. It's just as impressive. I'm t- I'm talking about a guy. If you remember when Kawhi came into the league, couldn't shoot. Yeah. He couldn't shoot the ball. It's a knock on him. He couldn't shoot. And he has put in so much time and dedicated uh, so much hard work to crafting out this offensive game that is virtually unstoppable. I can't – I don't have a good answer for you. What if I told you – I and this is what I was talking to Kokar, our producer, about this uh, this morning before the show. I think it's Kawhi because he has less around him. Like Durant has the super team around him, but does that make it – and then we were talking back and forth, and he's like, well, wait a second. It might be harder to score as many points when you have that many players around you. They're going to want the ball in their hands. Um. Because I would say I think my can, hunch was it's Kawhi because he's doing it with less. You could you could make that argument. I think you can make that argument and not be. If if KD has a bad game, you feel like Steph or Clay or someone else on that team is capable of carrying you. 
their pedigree says that they'll carry you to a win in a championship scenario. Mm-hmm. You can't point to anybody else on Toronto's team that can do that. Not one. Kyle Lowry, just the opposite. If anything, he's probably going away under those conditions. Right. Uh, Mark Gasol, too long in the tooth. Like It's just not happened at this point. Pascal Siakam, while I think he's on the verge of being that type of player one day, he hasn't he hasn't reached the, the top of that like mountain yet or that plateau where you become like in your prime he's still kind of ascending so yeah you for the if you're gonna break it down I, I could say that you have a better argument there with Kawhi I think the bigger story and I don't mean to get off of Kawhi Durant in that specific in that particular series yep is Joel Embiid yeah uh, I, I think it's fascinating um you know uh, it, it's unfortunate for for the kid that he can't stay healthy. And I don't know how much of it is knee, how much of it is sickness. I don't remember the last time that somebody was stomach bugged two times in the same oh, series. Like that's a lot, that's a lot of stomach issue. And I would make the argument that who cares? I don't, yeah. I don't want to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. Your coach certainly doesn't want to hear you calling him at six in the morning talking about, you know what you do? You show your ass up, you go to work. You do the best that you can do. And then, you know, if someone asks you why you weren't good after in, in behind closed doors in the training room, you're like, look, I've been struggling all night. I've been in the training room. I've been getting my IVs. That, that's not broadcast news. And it all speaks to, for me, this is personally, I'm not arguing whether he is a, a transcendent talent when he's healthy. Yeah, he is. Uh, he might be the best big in the game when he's healthy. Like, but I am arguing that there is an immaturity there. Um, and, and people don't want to hear that in this series. Believe me. Yeah. When I, I, that raised an eyebrow for me because he texted Brett Brown at 6.20 a.m. unsure if he could play. What are you talking about? That's, that's, that's a bad look. What are you talking about? Right? I mean, wh- how do you even know it's 6.20? Don't even, don't bother the coach. Yeah, that's 6.20, man. I'll see you when I come in for the, for pregame. Or matter of fact, when you show up as the coach, you'll see me because I will be in there doing whatever I need to do with the training staff to be ready to play. I, I don't know what this means. I mean, cause I could see you spin it one way is that, hey, maybe his injuries aren't as bad as everybody thinks because he just likes to talk about them a lot and this whole game time decision stuff. Because every time, you know, he goes to the, arena and this has been for a few months now he's not sure if he's going to play and he has to see how he feels when he warms up you know what it's almost like one of those things and uh, kids do it a lot where oh we're going to lose anyway and they put it out there so in case they lose yes. they've already told you that they're or I'm not going to play hard in this game so in case we lose like I've already uh, uh, have a disclaimer it's out a there losers limp yeah you're like come on man like yeah. just go out there be a professional don't don't say anything about any little lingering stomach bugs you know what I mean I, I, I'm no, it's true. You're spot on. How many times did you play sick, Danny? All the time. I, I, mean, I never, and I never missed the game. Never missed the game. No. Right? Did you go over to your coach before the game and be like, listen, I remember sitting in a locker room in New Orleans having Gary Briggs, God bless him, man, the trainer, the old trainer with the Utah Jazz. He spent the entire night in New Orleans coming to my hotel room. He got a key made by the front desk. I was in a ball on the floor in the bathroom, shivering and vomiting and doing the other thing yeah. all night long, pumping me full of, I never said a word to Jerry Sloan. I came out the next night and Jerry Sloan plugged me into the lineup. I could barely see straight, but you went out there and you tried to do what you could do for your team. Yeah. That, that's the way you approach that. If you're not getting your job done, then it's Jerry Sloan's job to say, Hey man, you don't look good. Sit down. Right. I was on the Denver Broncos. I think I've told this story before. I didn't get to play much. I was a backup, but I got to play and I was supposed to start against the Baltimore Ravens. Went out to a sushi spot in Denver Thursday night. Right. Got food poisoning. Was sick all day Friday. 
was sick all day Saturday. And anytime I was asked by Mike Shannon or the trainers, I'm like, I'm playing. Yeah, and absolutely. they had, they had me set up with an IV in my room. And every time they asked me, I'm like, yeah, I'm playing. I still felt like crap on Sunday and I was freezing because the IVs make you really cold yeah. and they make you feel bloated and stuff. I probably shouldn't have played and some guy, but I was like, there's no way I'm not playing. And that was the only answer I gave. They would have had to tell me, no, we can tell you're not like there's no way you're playing. We're going to protect you from you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going out there to play. So, would yeah. be interesting to follow uh, throughout the series if Joel Embiid still has that same virus. 18 for 50. What's that? 36 percent from the field in the yeah. series. Yeah. Um, if you're not feeling good, and this is the last thing because I give me my basketball segment, and Brett Brown knows he's not feeling well. Don't have him standing out there at the three point line trying to ISO people and shoot right. threes. Get yeah, they had some bad looks late yeah, in the game. On, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG. All right, what's going back? Welcome back to Canel and Bell. Uh, I'm looking at purchasing a house. Correct. Should I take in my neighbors in consideration when I'm buying said house? Generally speaking, I would say no. But right. the, Although neighbors are very important. I gotta have good neighbors. Let's say okay neighbors is fine. I, if you have bad neighbors, it makes life yes. happen. Yes. All right. I, I should rephrase that. Correct. If you know that it's a poop show next door, yeah. take that in consideration. <laughs> if it's exactly. just like I, I'm, I don't need to love my neighbor necessarily. Uh, your situation? So my situation, we are shopping for homes. Yeah. We uh, are looking at one house, which has two houses are for sale right next to each other. We just found out one of them, one under contract. Right. And my wife... Somehow found this out, but I think it's very interesting. Uh, that's concerning. Yeah, it's a little bit concerning. <laughs> so she found out there was a professional soccer player who right. was buying uh, the house that we're considering next door to it. So I'm like, all right, that'd be cool. Live next to a professional athlete. Like, you know, some stuff in common. Yeah, yes, like, correct, correct. But then she proceeds to send me Instagram photos of said soccer player. Do we have the photos? No, we don't have the photos. We're not bringing up the photos. Gonna... The guy doesn't need any more love than he already gets. Correct. Let's just say... His physique is not necessarily dad bod quality. Yeah. He's current, like he, I think he still plays. He looks like, he looks like Ronaldo. Yeah. Kind of. Exactly. He's right? got a little Ronaldo. Uh, Ronaldo-esque. Not bad on the eyes. Um, yeah. and my wife's all excited. All of a sudden she's like pushing to put this offer in on this house next door. And I'm like, hold on a second. This should not come. This should not be the deciding factors because there's a hot soccer player. Correct. If her excitement level went from like it seven did. to nine, totally that would be did. a major concern. That's a little suspect, right? right? And like <laughs> the pool's right outside where they're like right. Oh, you know what you do? Is you got to put up a big, big hedgerow, bro. Yeah, I'm big putting up hedge a hedge row. for sure. Although I did remind my wife that he is married and I'm sure his wife is not bad on the eyes. Uh, yeah, so I saw a picture of that game. You know, if we want to go there. So I'll keep you posted on how that goes. Uh, over the weekend, I actually actually, uh, actually happened to watch this show live. Yeah. LeBron showed The Shop was yeah. airing on HBO, and I happened to be watching it. I was like, oh, okay, let's see if they're doing any current topics. And one of the topics that he did discuss was Magic Johnson's exit from the Lakers. And it was very interesting to see LeBron open up about it, which I give him credit for being this open and honest. Um, they're sitting around, they're talking, and he said, you talked about the exact moment about how he found out, and he said he found out from like watching, um, 
you know, on TV, he saw it in the media, it was stretching before a game, and he told him, told the media that was in question. Um, so he's, his quote was, I came here to be a part of the Lakers organization, having a conversation with Magic, and really kind of breaking it down and saying how he was going to make this showtime again, and I wanted to be a part of that process. Personally, for me, I came here to be a part of the Lakers organization. Oh, I just read that. So it was weird for me for him to be like, nah, I'm out of here, and not even have no like, hey, Bron, kiss my ass, I'm gone, not even that. It was pretty revealing, and I think – I don't think he meant it as a diss. I don't think it was disrespectful. I think he was just being really honest about, hey, I'm LeBron. And he didn't say that. Right. You know he felt it. Like, I'm LeBron. he said it without saying it. You could have just told me. I also like the show and the fact that they're giving you very real, uh, genuine kind of sitting around a barbershop feel. Like, I I think that's cool. Although no one's getting their haircut. No, yeah, I mean. At least they got rid of the wine goblets. I I like the wine goblets. (laughs) I sit over there and just have a drink and, and, and really let it out. But. When you are Magic Johnson and you sell LeBron or anybody like LeBron, I mean, it could have been MJ, yeah. Bird, anybody. When you sell them on your vision um, that is going to take the Lakers from what they are, insert you into that scenario, and continue to build it until we get to here. When you sell that whole vision and you bounce in 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 the very infancy of that vision – I think that it is incumbent upon you to make that call and say, hey, man, look, I know I sold you on coming here. Here's why I can't do this job anymore. Uh, otherwise, without Magic, LeBron doesn't go to L.A. Without Magic's pitch and Magic's so? presence, I don't. I, I think there would have been some allure there, but I think Magic was a, 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 a deal sealer. I, I think Magic and, and Magic is a people person. That's why everybody loves Magic. No, Magic gets in a room with you and he starts talking to you. I've, I've dealt with Magic in, in that capacity, man. Magic can make you feel like you are, yes, let's do this. Mm-hmm. And I think that there was a lot of weight uh, there with Magic's presence and, and what he thought that he was going to be able to do with the Lakers having LeBron there, that plan that was going to unfold over the next couple of years. And so, well, Magic, if you didn't really want to do the job and you didn't love it, I support him leaving. I do think you owed LeBron at least a phone call to say, hey, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I can't do this job anymore. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, man. Like etiquette, anything, like business etiquette, life etiquette. And it's always like, and I'm trying to think of different situations that play out. It doesn't make it any easier. It doesn't make it any better. Like when I got cut. You get cut. When you get fired. I found out a lot of times online. But when I was cut by the Giants, Jim Fossil called me. Right. And I mean, it didn't make it any better for me, but it was like, it was the right thing for him to do. And it was a quick phone call. It doesn't take long. It's just, hey, this is it. It doesn't make you feel better to get that phone call. But it really pisses you off if you don't get that. Exactly. Exactly. When I got to find out from somebody else that I've been trading and I got to get on a plane, like that, that pisses me off. Right. Now, Steve Kerr, if you call me and tell me you trade me, I don't love you for it. Right. But at least I, okay, whatever, I'm out. Down the road, like I think you, there was a respect level there. Hey, at least he called me. Correct. Like there's a respect level there. It's funny because I was trying, like when somebody has a death in their family. Right. The hardest thing to do is call because you don't know what to say. Right. You're like, what do I say to this person? If you just call and say, Hey man, thinking about you. You know, I know this is a tough time. It doesn't take long, and it's but it's like it's the right thing it's to the do. The right thing to do. Um, and I, I just think that's I, what, that's where Magic missed it. But he didn't even tell Jeannie Bus. Like he didn't tell anybody. He just he started talking to the reporters, and that's how he announced it. So I think it's remarkable. Number like there were tweets yesterday, pictures of Jeannie and Magic. Both of them. Yes, tweeted. she tweeted it out. That's from her Twitter. She tweeted. It would have been a thing if they were like TMZ had caught them secretly having dinner. She tweeted it out. She's like. 
love magic, what he means, and like heart emojis, and we're still good, hashtag family, Lakers fam, all this stuff. It looks so bad if you're a Lakers fan. And it looks bad if you're mad. It looks bad. It looks dysfunctional. It is dysfunctional. That's a terrible look. Apparently, I'm, Randy, I'm even more mad if I'm LeBron and I see that crap. Yeah, no, because it, now you're it's almost like you've taken magic's side in this not that you have to take a side there's no but but it is a bad look for an organization that's been run uh questionably i think is a, a fair way to put it for the last few years i am all for family and i think you know genie and the lakers consider magic family I'm not saying that you should write magic off um you know he, he will always be an ambassador for that franchise in that town but it's just not a great look right now with the landscape of what's going down and the and it's the second time they've both been in on it. Cause Magic member a couple weeks ago was it, like, I still talk to them. I still give advice. I just don't get paid to do it. It's, it looks just go away for a little bit. Six months. Yeah, seriously. Absolutely. Just take, be quiet. Take a vacation. Just lay low. Take yeah. Vacation. Just lay low. Stay off social media and just lay low. I, I think this can be really hard for them to get free agents, man. I, I've already I talked about the LeBron situation and whether guys, you know, are drawn to him like they used to be, whether those, the guys coming in think that LeBron is their avenue to a championship. I don't believe that to be the case like it was before. The Lakers have not proven to be run uh, well. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, rumors surrounding their their situation with young pieces and stuff. There, there's there's trouble in L.A. and this is just another you know another instance. Randy Mims apparently was the guy. He was going through his routine before the game. LeBron was, and Randy, who I spent a lot of time with in Cleveland, was the one that told LeBron that Magic was leaving. Um, it's just those are bad looks for your franchise when you're trying to when you're trying to. Get back to to a level that you're used to being at. By the way, I thought it was a, fu- a hilarious thing that happened because LeBron was talking about when Magic left, how he was thinking like, "What's next?" and like, "What are we gonna do? What does this mean for the franchise?" And Lonzo Ball, who was on the episode too, he said he found out the same way. Like, buddy, somebody came right. up, showed him a thing, and then he was like, "What did you think next?" And he's like, "I don't know. Where am I going out tonight?" Like, <laughs> like for a 22 year old versus one, like it's right. just a difference like, in mindset. Like, who don't cares? Really like, care. Exactly. Correct. Somebody's <laughs> leaving. No big deal. Um. So now the Lakers are trying to uh, get their head coach resolved. Most uh, reports that are coming out are saying that Ty Lue is the focus now. Monty Williams took the Sun job, so he bounced on him. And they offered they offered Monty the well, job. Well, that's what I was trying to find out. Coco, do we know that uh, that they offered? I don't think they did. I think he was part of the interview. I think Monty Williams. I don't know if it says, "Hey, the Suns are a better job." If it says more. Hey, I, they're going to hire Ty Lue anyway. Correct. So might as well take the gig that I can get for sure. This is only an indictment on the Lakers. If they offered him a job, there were numbers out there that were that were that were talked about, and he decided to take the Suns instead. If that's not the case, I've always said that there's only one real coach for that job. Right. I, I didn't care what all those other. There was only one person that's going to be able to take that job. Where you guys are kind of pigeonholed, where you got yourself backed into a corner now, and that's Ty Lue, guy who's been around the block with LeBron. There's a relationship. They'll they'll start next season off not having to figure out what their relationship looks like. You can get right to playing basketball, X's and O's, um, and and do you and believe stuff like that. LeBron and his camp are saying we don't have any say in this? It's kind of comical, I think. I believe that. You do. You think I do. Just staying out of it, they just let history talk for itself. Well, because yeah, I think the Lakers are the type they've gotten it wrong just about every time around the block. The Lakers. Yep. And again, if you didn't consult, they've wanted to make sure that this didn't become a LeBron show, and so they've done everything to avoid that. And so I do believe that they did not consult with LeBron and his team about that. Again, there's only one answer there, right? You look right. around at all the candidates. There's only one dude. That's common sense. If you botch, if you botch that, I was gonna. Re- I love Monty. Monty might be a 
Hall of Fame coach one day. Yep. He's a great dude. Every staff he's ever been on, there have been rave reviews about him. You don't know what that's going to look like with him and LeBron. Yeah. And I now think it's a tough spot for a young first-time head coach to go into. That would be a really uh, potential disastrous situation. So uh, it'll be interesting to see when I, – because I think it's only a matter of time before the Ty Lue announcement is made. It's probably more contractual stuff. Well, here's the interesting part for Ty Lue for me. Do you become, after this stint with LeBron, win a championship, don't win a championship? I guess probably more interesting if you don't win a championship – are you only like are you tied to LeBron? Right. Is your is your coaching legacy like you are the only you're the guy that works with LeBron and are you able to find other gigs out there that don't have LeBron do you understand yeah, involved sure. in them? Yeah. I think that's interesting though. No, absolutely. You know, it's like typecasting as an actor. Absolutely. And you only play that one role. Right. Same same exact question yeah. would be asked too, I think too. I, I don't think I don't think he cares that much. Right, ultimately, <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, so another, don't worry another about twenty that million later. another twenty million. Don't worry about that yeah, later. We'll you can answer that question later. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. So this morning, I actually uh, recorded something for CBS Sports HQ where you can watch. If you're listening to the podcast, make sure you go online. You can watch us every day. We stream every show uh, so you can see us when we make faces at each other, right, okay. since we do that all the time. Uh, but I did some of the college football over-under, so the win totals for next season uh-huh. are out. Clemson is at 11, and I think it's a lock they go over. One of the reasons why is – they're like Alabama. They are the new Alabama, essentially. And they're not even – they've basically been going parallel with Bama for the last seven or eight years. But really because they've won two out of the last three, all of a sudden they've really become recognized as yeah. the dynasty. Yep. But if you dig a little bit deeper, like they put together all these 10-win seasons. They put guys in the NFL. They just don't have as many championships as Bama does. But they look like they're going to be on that way. Right. And so what happens now – and this is, it hasn't changed really that much over the course of college football is when you start winning, you become more, um, a, a better op, like the rich get richer. Of so course. every kid that comes out is going to automatically take a visit because it's cool to tell your friends, yeah, I'm going to take a visit to Bama. I'm going to take a visit to Clemson. And then once you get there, you're like, Hey, this place is pretty cool, right? right. And then you have the championships. So over the weekend, you had DJ Awungalele. Yeah. All right. Iwongalele. Yeah. I think that's the name. We're just going to go by DJ from now on. It's going to be like yeah. Tua. If he's like, DJ people struggle a long time. Uwongalele. Uwongalele. Yeah. DJ Uwongalele. Uwongalele. <laughs> Where are you one. getting the N from? There's no N in that. But there's no, there's no t- N in Tongavaloa. Is it Tongavailoa or is it Tongavailoa? No, there is an N in there. There is see? an N? Okay. Coca gave me the whole lesson on the language okay. lesson there. There DJ. are N's, but they don't say them. He's a machine. So how are you, how do you know he's a machine from playing in high school? First of all, I watched QB1 um, that next season with Justin Fields and some of those guys. I haven't he, watched that season yet. I want to watch it. He is a freshman at Don Bosco Prep, I believe. Is it Don Bosco? Yes. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. John Bosco. Don Bosco out in Don California. Don Bosco's jersey. That's right. So John Bosco and the the – so he was senior, so senior quarterback was the personality of right, QB1. He was the featured quarterback. He was the featured quarterback. This kid was a backup. And midway through the season, the senior quarterback starts to struggle. And they keep putting this freshman in the game who, like, balls out. So by the time, you know, you're you're towards the end of the season, they're splitting time, like, equitably. And you're like, I don't know who that kid is, but he's a monster. How awkward is that? Do they ever switch their profile and be like, hey, maybe we should start interviewing they DJ do. over this kid? I haven't finished the season yet. <laughs> I want to start watching it. But that kid comes off super humble and super um grateful to the senior quarterback who you can see in, in the, uh, in the show really mentoring him and kind of talking him through things like that. It's gotta be a real awkward situation because you know that guy is oh, like for sure. bigger, stronger, like b- 
just better quarterback. Um, but the kid that, that this kid DJ comes off really, really Real Mitchell. Real, I guess, is yeah, the quarterback. Yeah. That and he there. comes off really well too. And he went to Ohio, uh, Iowa State. Iowa State, where he yeah. ended Not up. a dual threat. This this kid's. But I mean, that does speak volumes about how good DJ must be because those QB one series they usually follow the top quarterbacks in the country. And if you lost your job, then you went to a freshman. To a freshman, the kid's gonna be pretty special. Yes. How do you feel? About the hype video to announce your announcement. I mean, what, what? Why are you surprised by that? I'm not surprised. I just don't like it. I mean, this thing has gone from like you just fax in like your your yeah, letter of intent exactly. to everybody, no matter the size of school you're going to, is having a press conference now. This thing is just morphing into what it's always. It, everything continues to evolve. This is no surprise to me. This is what they're going to be now. It's just too videos. Much, too much me. Without doing anything. He hasn't taken a snap in college football yet. Have you ever seen on Instagram um, these these pages where it's run by some videographer? Mm-hmm. And they just go get a random basketball player somewhere. And they'll have hoop mixtapes up and football mixtapes up. The, that's what they do. There's so many of these. Now, every kid in the country you can find a mixtape on if he's relevant. Well, what's pro- and this one, I, I'm, I'm assuming he produced it. because Or some company. Oh, one of these companies grabbed him and was like, I got a great idea, homie. Because they interview him, they interview his dad, his mom, like they talk about his, and they show baseball highlights. How would you like to be the first one? We are going to announce in this, I mean, that's, it's where it's going. And it was actually, they had, so when he announces, he's actually in Death Valley, in the stadium. Dabo comes out, gives him a high five. It's pretty dope. It is dope. I just don't know if it's necessary. Like, that's another conversation. No, it's not necessary. I guess it's the thing. But it is, it is. I sound like a crotchety old man. Yeah. I guess it is the thing. (laughs) It is what they're doing now. I just say, like, wait till you complete a pass before you start getting all this. The crazy part about this is he is Trevor Lawrence-ish. In yeah, that, he looks tall. He looks like he can run. He's got all of it. He's a, you talk about Trevor Lawrence. He's bigger, like he's bigger than him physically. He is a big old dude and he's got a rocket of an arm. That kid could come out. He don't have to go to another season of high school. Real talk. He doesn't need one. Just, right. you could drop him in next year and he'd be ready to go and play as a, as a true freshman somewhere. It's insane. Uh, Maine Co. is the company that produced it for him. Maine Co. I know. And I, I, I mean, full disclosure, I think our company, CBS Sports Digital has, done it for players or tried to uh bleacher report has done it the bigger players will do it because it gets clicks on your site yeah like recruiting is a massive business and people are interested in it because every fan wants to say hey who's going to be my quarterback of the future so every clemson fan is going nuts right now when they see it this is not the only so here's what happens too and this is what happened sort of uh when i was in college right is i would go and I, as soon as I committed to Florida State, I started calling other guys. Sure. Like, hey, give me numbers. Let me know who best wide receivers. Let me try to build a relationship with them. Let me see if I can get them. Right. So Clemson's 2020 class, they have 14 hard commits. Guys that are going there. They have four or five stars, including our boy DJ. They have 10 four stars. Uh, DJ is the number 13 overall player. They got a Brian Breezy. Uh, is the number tackle overall player. Yeah. So this class is going to be insane. That's why I think all of these dynasties, Alabama and Clemson specifically, the only way they, like the dynasty falls or changes is from within. Right. Like an attitude of entitlement. Uh, you get spoiled. Guys start worrying about the NFL because they're going to have the most talent. College football is talent acquisition. Absolutely. And these two teams are going to have the most talent. Absolutely. Like it's going to take an epic, you know, and granted you'll have a quarterback and come carry it like a Johnny Manziel who, you know, beat when he was a Texan and sure, beat Alabama. Sure, pop up and beat you. And that's, that's a situation, but for the most part, you're going to have the best talent on the field every single time you take it. So. Their, their formula is really, I mean, they've got three of the top five defensive tackles in that class committed. 
I mean, there's a formula to it. You know, they're not just out there swinging. They want they want speed on the outside. They want those kind of big strapping quarterbacks that can do a little bit of both. And then they want D line. Right. They, they get after you. And then you talk about three of the top five in the class D tackles all going to Clemson. It's insane. Uh, Clemson's the new Alabama, by the way. Yeah, they're a younger, shinier dynasty. But they're also, because they have that base there that they were already doing it, and because they play in the ACC, they're going to catch them. Right. Championships, all of it. They have a younger coach in Dabo Sweeney. They've got these recruiting classes that keep going. They've already got a head start on the quarterbacks. Think about it. Bama just got their best quarterback into a Tonga Valoa. Clemson's already had a couple. Yeah, that's true. Sean Watson, now Trevor Lawrence, and then if you get DJ in there, yeah. like this program is set up for a really long run to usurp Bama from their throne there. So I think you've seen, I think you've seen the shift and it happened with Wait, a beat down. You go get killed on Twitter today. Nah, it's all good. It's no shade. <laughs> Bama's a solid number two. <laughs> all right. Welcome back to Canell and Bell uh-huh. hanging out on a Monday doing a little NBA. So Steph Curry, uh, he's over the course of his career, he's taken a little bit of heat. Yep. From his naysayers. There is a definitely, there is a, a pretty strong contingent on Twitter, especially, that don't like Steph Curry, that say he's overrated, all these narratives that come out. One of them that comes out is he's not as good in the playoffs. And game three did not help his case very much as he had 17 points. He was 7 to 23 from the field, just 2 of 9 from the three point line afterwards. And there was the missed dunk, which was, yeah. it was pretty bad. Uh, numbers don't really bear out that he's not as good in the postseason. Well, over the, so I think he does have some really bad games. Like that was a bad game for Steph Curry. And for whatever, and this is what happens. If you're looking for reasons, you will just go to that game. And you'll say, well, what about that, you know, game three against Houston when he was awful and he missed that dunk at the end of the game, which possibly could have kept him in it uh, a longer extended period of time. Um, I don't believe the narrative. I think. At times, he's been hurt. That's the other thing. People, they, they always say he has an excuse. Like, oh, his knee, or now it's his finger. Like, Steph Curry always has an excuse. Haters. Like that. I think there are a bunch of haters. Haters. The stats bear out that basically his game is the exact same of the past five seasons in the regular season and the postseason. Almost identical as far as point totals, Correct. field goal percentage, three-point percentage, uh, everything. Like, it's virtually the same. There's no drop-off whatsoever. Steph is a boss. Yeah. What Steph has had to do to allow Kevin Durant to be a part of that team and for them to be the best version of themselves is, is similar to what Dwayne Wade had to do when he played with LeBron. You have to give up some of your alpha to for a for a guy who only knows how to be an alpha uh, to allow him to do that. And that's what he's done. So you, the ball is now Kevin Durant's. The ball was Steph Curry's. So, and people would be like, oh, yeah, no stuff. Like Kevin Durant's, you know, 6'10", and he's better. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. But for what it does to a guy like Steph is when you're in the middle of one of these bad games – as a shooter or as a volume guy, um, you can go to three quarters and maybe just be off, but you know that there's no other option in this game but me. And so they're going to continue to feed me. And th- that does something to you mentally. So you might see an ember of a spark somewhere and now you're on fire or you get a free throw and now you're on fire. But when you have Kevin Durant, if you're cold, they just go to Kevin Durant. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And you know, in the back of your mind that man, if I'm off, it's okay because I have Kevin Durant. And that just changes the dynamics a little bit, right? The balance of a game isn't squarely on Steph's shoulders like it used to be. He's taken a little less off of his plate to allow Kevin Durant to kind of spread his wings. And you see that kind of playing out. So when he gets cold sometimes, it takes him a little longer to kind of get out of that funk because there is another option there. And he's not getting as many opportunities in the way that he used to get them. But that doesn't mean that he is not the same player or he's not built for that moment or he's not built for that stage. He's just changed the way he's played a little bit. And so have, so has Golden State as a team. 
Do you were you surprised at the way the end of that game pulled up? Because you had Harden go to the lane, and who was it? Draymond that took the charge, yeah, and they didn't call it. Yeah, it was a charge, right? Every uh, listen could call something every time. Mr. Ref, I don't know who you are. You knew that was a charge, right? You don't miss that. He's standing right there. It was a huge collision. It's it was charged. It was a physical. It was a physical play. I think you have to call something. Come on, man. Something's got to be called. Yeah. Right. So, all right. So that transpires. Then you get Steph on the breakaway. He splits the middle, misses the dunk, and there's like 15 seconds left, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, and they just problem. quit. They throw. Yeah, I didn't foul. really have a problem. You don't think they should have tried to foul and uh, at least extend the game uh, a little bit? It could have. It would. That been. to me, to me, looked like a little bit of Warriors. We've been here. Like, do we really want to, like, nah, we'll just get them the next yeah, game. Like, and that to me what it felt like. And maybe if that's their, like, they've done all right and they probably will be fine. They probably still will win the series. Yeah, they're up 2-0, 15 seconds. You're down five. Like, I don't think you need to extend that anymore. You don't, I don't even know how what their timeout situation was. Right. It used to be a time where you had like six timeouts stacked up. So you could afford to foul, like move it up to half court, get a quick shot, foul. You can't even do that anymore because they only give you the two timeouts. So, it's totally uh, different than the Spurs game where Pop was telling them to foul and they couldn't hear him. Right? That was that was egregious mismanagement by the players. By the player, the game. Yeah. that was a week ago. This was this was them saying, "Hey, man, this one's a wrap," and right. I'm okay with that. I, right. I I think there's a story in this series though that on the flip side that's interesting, and, and maybe it's not, but I, I they're not using Chris Paul like they did last year. I don't know if it was because of the injury early in the season and he missed that many games and it became the James Harden show. But last year, I don't know if it was equitable, but it was like two-thirds to one-third in terms of James having the ball two-thirds of the time, Chris Paul having the the, the ball one-third of the time, and it made him really, really, really tough to guard. Mm-hmm. Maybe Eric Gordon has re- assumed assumed some of that responsibility, um, so it's like two-thirds James Harden, one-third uh, Eric Gordon. But, man, I would really like it to be like, you know, a little bit more balanced between Eric Gordon and Chris Paul because I think Chris Paul is still really creative and he's really not a great spot-up jump shooter. I don't know what he's shooting. He's got to be in the 20s in terms of what he's shooting from the three-point line. But when you just have him kind of sat over there in the corner, sitting over there in the corner, it really marginalizes him as a player. And I thought they were way more dangerous when they allowed him to be in high pick-and-roll and James Harden to be in pick-and-roll. And there have been stretches in this in this series where James Harden went out with the eye. Houston probably better. Yeah. Offensively, they were better. Yep. There were stretches in the last game where when James Harden sat, that ball started moving, people were moving, and they, they play better offensively. And then James comes back in the game and he's so remarkable one on one that it just becomes, all right, let's stand around and watch James. And Mike's cool. Like Mike let it happen. It, it won them the game. Um, but man, I would like them to share that ball a little bit in terms of letting Chris Paul do a little bit more from the top of the key too. So if you're a Rockets fan, and how do you, what do you take away from that game? Going into game four, do you feel like, hey, we're right back in it? We've oh. defended home court? Or do you feel like, holy cow, Steph Curry didn't play that great. Oh. We still need overtime to win that game back. Oh, no, we're court. right where we need to be. So you're good. You're we're good. good. We, we lost, we, they held serve. We've got to hold serve. That pressure, pressure is now, if I'm in Houston, the pressure is now on, on Golden State. For sure. Right? They got to win this game. You know, or we're going back to, you know, they, they had us 2-0. Now this baby's locked up at 2-2 and we're going in there to try to steal a game. But if I'm Golden State, I'm saying the pressure's on Houston. They better close us out because they don't want to go back to Golden State 3-1. So it's, you know. So who do you like? Rockets or, uh, laying one and a half? I kind of like the Warriors. I'm taking the Rockets. You are. Oh, that's your squad. You got to look out for your boy Mike D'Antoni. And then what about the other game? The, uh, Celtics-Bucks game. Celtics are at home laying one and a half as well. It's a tough one, man. Giannis has been unstoppable, but they had the antidote. I'm going to take the Celtics.
I would take the Celtics yeah. in that one too. Right. So we're split on the one. I'm going to go Warriors, and uh, we're both on board the Celtics laying one and a half. We'll be back tomorrow to break it all down. Make sure you go check out the podcast. Subscribe. Don't be surprised if Milwaukee wins. Oh, rate it. Oh, <laughs> Edge. <laughs>